Welcome to the Equip to Heal podcast. It's great you can join me for episode two of series two. This podcast series is all about equipping and encouraging people in the Christian healing ministry. And this week, it's great that we're joined by Ian Andrews. Ian was the Apostolic Director of the International Association of Healing Ministries and the founder of Citadel Ministries. He's been a leading figure in the healing ministry in the UK and abroad for more than four decades and has written two books. He's travelled over the years to over 65 nations, bringing the good news that every believer can, indeed should, heal the sick. And God's used him in many different ways over the years. Hear from him from his first hearing God prompting him to pray for the sick, his first tentative steps in that. Um, He's receiving an impartation from Catherine Kuhlman and then how God has worked in him and around him over the years. Uh, It's a fascinating interview. I hope you enjoy it and are encouraged. Ian, hello, good afternoon. (laughs) Hello, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for for joining me, and uh, uh, it's great to have you uh, with me as a guest this afternoon on the podcast. So thank you very much for joining. Um, uh, uh, so for so for my listeners, uh, I'm joined by Ian Andrews. Uh, Ian was the Apostolic Director of the International Association of Healing Ministries and founder of a. Uh, Citadel Ministries, and Ian has been a leading figure in the healing ministry for more than four decades and has travelled to over 65 countries and um, has been an amazing uh, role model, encourager, equipper and trainer of people in healing. And and so it's just great that you could join us today. And so thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Um, Ian, do you want to say something else about yourself as an introduction to people? And particularly, I'm kind of interested in how the Lord had you move into healing ministry. Uh, well, uh, that's an interesting story. Um, I had absolute faith that it wouldn't work. Um, <laughs> right. I couldn't speak two words without stammering. And um I'd lost one job because um, I didn't want to produce two sets of accounts, uh, one for the tax man and one for the bank manager. And so I got fired from that employment and I was looking for another employment. And um, I was praying one day and God spoke to me audibly out of the corner of the bedroom. said, I've called you to preach the gospel and heal the sick. And it frightened me half to death. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> I actually said, are you mad? <laughs> and then I heard the Lord say, well, I have the same trouble with Moses. Do you want an Aaron? And I said, no, I don't want an Aaron. So I kind of felt trapped into it, really, for a long time. I wasn't comfortable in my own skin actually doing it. I probably saw 3,000 people healed before I believed one of them would be. And then it finally dawned to, on me. To where you are now. Uh, it's, it, I'm going back 50 years now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, it's still amazing every time it happens. Um, quite often I still feel that nothing has happened. And then I hear a few years later that 
tremendous miracle took place when I prayed, but I didn't see anything and I didn't feel anything. That That's interesting because I know there are some people who think that you – one, they get disappointed when nothing happens straight away, or as you say, you you kind of you want to feel that something's happened. Um, and I think I've learned over the years, generally, there really isn't much of a correlation between what I feel and what God does, because actually, it's not about us, is it? It's um, it, it's uh, He's the one doing the work. So uh, I'm intrigued. Uh, have you have you? Have you learnt over the years when you think God is likely to have healed and uh, how, how does he kind of guide you into that process, Ian? Well, I've always believed if you preach the word, God will confirm the word with signs following. Right. And so I tend to preach um, sort of in the early days, it would be like an hour and a half because I was stammering and I had to repeat myself and everything. But... Um, in spite of the stammer, people came to the meetings because at the end of it, they knew they could get healed. Right. And that's always been the case. It's always been the case. If I go to a meeting and I, I preach, I kind of increase the faith level. That releases the Holy Spirit to do the healing. Right. That's great. Uh, 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 and what have you seen... I mean, you've seen this now over 50 years. What, yeah. what are you seeing God do? Uh, have, have you seen what God is doing change over the years in terms of um, healing? Has, uh, has there been particular types of conditions he's healing or amounts of healing? Have you seen it change over time? It's been interesting because, I mean, people now are talking about body parts coming from heaven and all that sort of thing. And um, that was the first miracle I actually ever saw. Right. I had, right. To, I had to take a lady up to Oxfordshire from the church here in Chard, and um, I just had to deliver her, and that was it, and then go off on my preaching engagement. It was on day one, and uh, I got invited into the house, and a couple of ladies were there and they wanted to know what I was doing with my life and I stammered and spluttered and said I'm going to be a preacher and they looked at me in a very funny way and um, asked if they could pray over me so I got on my knees on the carpet and they put their hands on me to pray for me pray some common sense into me I think and I heard God whisper one of them's got a kidney issue pray for them I want to heal them so I kind of stood back up and I thought, well, um, I'm, I'm not sure this is God or not, but I'm going to test it anyway. So which one of you two ladies has got a kidney problem? And to my relief, there was one lady there that said, it's me. And so I prayed every prayer that anybody had ever prayed in their lifetime, like all Kenneth Hagen prayers, uh, <laughs> Oral Roberts prayers all the healing generals of the past that I'd listened to, I, I combined all their prayers into one because this was actually the first time I'd actually had to pray for the sick. And wow. uh, when I finished, I was horrified because the lady was lying on the floor and I kind of thought that she died. <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't know what to do, so I left. <laughs> and I've been itinerating ever since. 
Wow. It's always good to leave. Um, But about six (laughs) weeks later, I found out it was a Catholic lady, and she'd gone to Lourdes trying to get healed, and then she'd kissed every step of the Vatican all the way up and all the way down in Rome. And then she'd come back to England and happened to be in our church over the weekend, and then I drove her up to her friend. What, what I didn't know was that she had about a week to live, and she had kidney failure, and she'd gone to Lourdes to get healed, and she'd gone to Rome to get healed, and actually God saw her heart, and he just touched her when I prayed, and she got two new kidneys. Wow. Wow. And I guess um, being in that condition, she'd have had some pretty astonished doctors as well. Well, I think so, but it was in the days pre, pre-emails, so yeah, yeah. It, it was a long time afterwards I got an airmail letter from Florida, and that's what she just said. She said, um, I had a couple of weeks to live, and I've got two new kidneys. So that was the body parts right there in, what a, in 1969. How gracious um, of God that that's the first time you prayed for healing for somebody and he does something so amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was designed to hook me into it, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, it was more yeah. for me than her, if you understand what I'm saying. Although I'm sure she's pretty was pretty grateful, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, after that, it took about 11 years to get a testimony from anybody. It was as though God never let me hear the testimony until about 10 or 11 years afterwards. Right. Wow. Uh, and why do you think that was? was? Was that how the Lord was dealing with you? Or was that because people were reluctant to uh, testify? Well, it, it's probably a combination of both. I mean, English people are kind of a bit super spiritual that, that I know it's God, they know it's God, so they don't even want to tell me because I'm not God. Um, on the other hand, it, um, it actually kept me going in faith because I'd burned my bridges, I decided that I was going to do this, I wasn't going to do anything else. And I had to keep going. And um, it, after about 11 years, I would hear stories like, you prayed for me when I came to the Liverpool meeting, and you just prayed a general prayer over everybody. But I think you'd like to know I got healed of multiple sclerosis. <laughs> and I, I said, yeah, I would have loved to have known 11 years ago. That would have encouraged me. But anyway, that was the story. Um it took years to get any testimony out of anybody. Wow. And that was probably for the first 15 or 20 years. And then after that, I would begin to get the testimonies coming. Right. Uh, and these days, is there such a long gap? Or you do you, are you as you go around and travel and, and get to pray for people, are you seeing healing more, more quickly? I'm seeing it kind of instantly. Um, 50 odd years ago, I was determined to go and see Catherine Coleman in order to get healed of stammering. Right. I tried everybody else and they didn't have enough faith, in my opinion. So I thought, I'll, I'll go to the very best. I'll go to Catherine Coleman. And um, I went there and I discovered that she had the same speech impediment. That was why she, she talked in a very funny way. 
And that wasn't what I was expecting. And she didn't pray for me. She just said, um, um, I've been told by the Lord to give my anointing to 70 people. And she said, you are the first. So she put a finger on my cheek and I just went out under the power for ages. Wow. I was absolutely swamped in the love of God. It went over me, in me, through me, round me, out of me, across me. It was amazing. And um, when I came back, I knew people's dates of birth, names and addresses and, and everything. And I wasn't ready for that kind of an impartation. Right. And I asked God to switch it off. Well, cut a long story short, I was in Australia in 2018, and um, I'd had a prophecy when I was in in South Chad in 1968, can you believe it? Right. I would minister where the earthquakes were, and uh, the earthquakes would never happen when I was there, and they might happen after I leave, but if they ever happen just before I arrive, it's a sign God wants to bring revival. And I got to Australia, not on a fault zone at all, anywhere. And they'd had this mysterious earthquake the day before I arrived. Wow. And the pastors that were gathered were wondering if revival was coming. And I said, well, it's over 50 years I had this prophecy. And this is the first time ever that this has happened. So... I would prepare your hearts for revival. And that is exactly what happened that night. And it's still going. Wow. Wow. And, um, and the pastors were talking about, do you realize when you came from God to your parents that you carried a scroll with you? And I thought, no. And they encouraged me to open the scroll because there will be blockages because the, the, the scroll holds our destiny. And it's the destiny in the kingdom of God that God wants us to fulfill in our lifetime. Yeah. And what they said was, there will be blockages. And immediately, Catherine Coleman's whole face and everything comes in front of me. And I said, well, I block this. And they said, well, it can unblock. And... Uh, I got hit with the same anointing in Australia that I did 50 years ago in Ohio on the platform next to Catherine Coleman. So God reactivated something. Um, after that, um, I found that people would be healed, but they would start confessing, I've had a brain tumor, I've had cancer, but I'm whole. And in 50-odd years, they've never said, I'm whole. They have said, I'm healed, but it changed. It changed after, after 2018. And it was though people got made whole rather than just healed. Uh, uh, I'm fascinated by that. Tell me more about what you understand they mean when they say, I'm whole. Well, uh, um, what happened... After the anointing was rekindled, I went to a church in Adelaide, Australia, yeah. and the pastor's wife comes up to me and says, um, I hope this is all right, but I've got this very old song that I want 
it to come to me and I'd like to sing it. So I said, go ahead, you know, I'm go ahead. Can't do any harm. And it could well be God. So, and she started to sing, he touched me and people got healed all over the church instantly. Wow. And that was Catherine Coleman's theme song. Oh, was it? And, uh, Nobody kind of knew down there that this was it, but I did. And I thought, well, that, that's amazing. So um, if I'm preaching these days, I will tend to say, uh, I want us to sing this. He touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something wonderful happened. He touched me and made me whole. And it's not so much a question of us reaching out and touching God. It's the fact that God wants to reach down and touch us. Amen. And yeah. then people get flooded with this joy and they, they confess to being made whole. Wonderful. Which, which is the kind of Hebraic understanding of the wholeness, the shalom of God, the, the yeah. kind of wellness of in, in emotion, body and spirit. And, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I was yeah. talking a couple of, uh, podcasts ago with, um, a friend, Phil Jump, who's a sort of Baptist, uh, bishop. And he was talking about the difference between being cured and being healed. And I think he was, you know, pointing to that more holistic sense of whole whole person restoration rather than just the condition is dealt with. Um, right. But right. to hear people confessing it kind of spontaneously uh, it is it amazing. It's amazing. I've never known the power of God like it in that particular big healing conference I spoke at. Uh, everybody came out and they were all drunk with the spirit. And, yeah. Uh, all of them were saying, I don't know what's happened, but I mean, I am just made whole. And it was repeated over and over and over again. So quite a few hundred people said the same thing. Wow. Wow. And have you seen that in the ministry since? Um, yes and no. A little bit. But um, m most of the ministry that I do now is equipping the next generation and the generation after that to do the same yep. thing. So it has a different emphasis, really. Yeah, yeah. I can do the big healing meeting, but that's, that is no longer kind of a passion of mine. Yes. Yeah, so I, so I'm aware that you've you've established Citadel Ministries. You've written books. You've you've you're yeah. running at the moment some some really great webinars. Um, do you want to say a bit more about well, one, how can people connect with this this material, and what's on your heart for equipping? Because because the heart for this podcast is all about trying to encourage and equip people to to do uh, to take forward healing. Because um, you know, my heart is that every church in the UK is activated in the Holy Spirit in, in healing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they'll all look different because as you, you know, how that looks like in a, in a high Anglican church or a Roman Catholic church might be very different than a Baptist church or a, you know, an evangelical, but, but as long as the Holy Spirit's flowing, <laughs> but it'd be love to hear about your, your equipment ministry now, Ian. Okay. Uh, um, I've got an online course that I run that is for 12 months that people pay to join. Right. It, it's got all the lessons about faith, the 
uh, covenant relationship we have with God, how the gifts of the Spirit are broken down, how they work, um, um, how to pray for the sick, how not to pray for the sick, um, what to do practically. And um, toward the end of last year, the Lord spoke to me, and he started waking me up at 4 a.m. in the morning. And it was before the sort of coronavirus episode at all, but but he was saying to me, I want you to train the next generation. I want you to leave a legacy. And uh, it was 4 a.m. in the morning, so I'm not normally awake at that time. But I suddenly woke up, and it became a pattern. And week after week, I would wake up at 4 a.m. and probably pray and talk to the Lord till about 5 o'clock, then go back to sleep. And... Um, um, I, I put a thing on Facebook and said, if, if there's 20 to 50 people that would be interested in learning about healing through me, I would like to kind of take you under my wing and mentor you. Well, we had 2,000 people on Facebook suddenly, wow. suddenly contact me. So I knew then that God was saying something bigger than I was thinking or dreaming. And... Um, and even though we had 2,000 people approach uh, the idea, when I did the first webinar, I sent out emails to about 500, and about 250 people came. And um, the email list grew rapidly to over 1,000, but still um, 300, 350 come practically every Thursday afternoon. Um, if there's anybody listening to the broadcast who would like to join in, um, I would suggest you go to Ian Andrews Ministries Facebook page. And many, many times I've posted the link. If, yeah. if you go to that link, click on it, you will get on my list and I can include you well, I, I, I'll, I'll make sure that the link to both that and your uh, website is on the uh, information about the podcast. And, and I've listened to some of the webinars and, and would encourage people to, to do that because uh, it is, it's tremendously uh, encouraging um, to hear from a, from a father like yourself. Um, get, Ian, it would be great if, if people are listening and, and, and apart from uh, you know, listening to some of those resources, what advice would you give people who want to grow into the healing ministry um, as individuals or, or as churches? If they really want to grow, they've got to get into the Bible and they've got to see how, how God has always been a healer. They must have their own gospel because Paul said, I come to you with my gospel. If it's not their gospel, then it's just a set of scriptures that they're sort of trying to convince other people about that they themselves are not convinced about. So I think the first thing is, if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, get into the Word, study the Word about healing from the Old Testament right the way through to Revelation. And if you speak in tongues, don't do it for five minutes a day like most people do. Do it for an hour and a half a day. And then you'll begin to hear God's voice clearer and you'll build up the walls of your spirit so that you're 
able to keep all the enemy thoughts out and then you can hear from God. Once you can do that, then learn how to lay hands on the sick so that they might recover. Right. Wow. So there's a challenge for folks to get into the into the into the Word of God, um, and uh, I, I find I keep finding more things in the Word of God about healing. Yeah. And the connections, uh, you know, just with everything going on at the moment, the connections between justice and healing, um, uh, you know, uh, belief and healing, uh, uh, relationships and healing. That, that it. it you know, it's, as you say, it's a theme throughout scripture. It's very, very powerful. Um, so that, that, that's, that's great advice. What about churches? If, if you're a church leader and you want to take your people, the congregation into healing, have, have you found things that are really helpful for that? Um, yes, there's some things helpful, some things very unhelpful. Um, I personally believe that God wants every believer to be able to pray for the sick. It should be normal. It should be natural. Yeah. And if you get a church with a healing team, then you get this elitism again. If you just encourage, uh, uh, I mean, the youngest person I've ever encouraged was three and three quarters. Right. And the oldest person was 94. Wow. And both of them saw a lot of major miracles. The three and three quarter year old child blew me away because his thinking was so foreign to my own. I gave him a high five and said, go pray for the sick. If this is what you really desire, go pray. I didn't transfer my anointing or anything because he had his own, even at three, wow. three quarters. And so he goes, and his thought was, I won't go to the people the doctors can heal. I will only go to the people that only Jesus can heal. <laughs> wow. And it was the only service I've ever had where 15 blind and nearly blind people got their sight. That was in Barbados years and wow. years, and years ago. And it was all through this little child. And wow. there's lessons we can learn because they couldn't see who was praying for them. But they, <laughs> but they could hear a child's voice. And so they didn't strain to get healed or strive to get healed. They just relaxed and thought, well, we don't want to disappoint a child, so we'll just relax and he can pray. And then they had the shock of their lives when their eyes flew open. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Gosh. And I'm 15. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 one of the things, uh, the dangers of growing up in church is that you, you almost imbibe this idea that as you say, not everybody can pray for the sick, or or even that, in, unfortunately, in some churches, that God doesn't heal today. So, so we get this sort of unbelieving believers bit, and and children are usually haven't yet learned that, which is why I find that they are great people to pray. Oh yeah, uh, for people uh, and with people. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think in England the churches have had very, very bad teaching about healing. 
I mean, I'm often referred to the man who's got the gift. And I know I haven't got a gift. Um, I preach the word of God like anybody else can preach the word of God. And God confirms his word, but I don't have a gift. And if you tell somebody they've got a gift, it, in your own heart you're thinking, but I don't have it. And that is not true, because I can take anybody from any congregation and teach them how to heal the sick. So, so I, I and I and I uh, agree and have seen that. And how do you, how do you reconcile that with Paul's teaching in one Corinthians twelve about gifts of different gifts of healing? How 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 do you understand those work together? I would say the sick person is the one who gets the gift because it doesn't talk about the gift of healing. It talks about gifts of healings, right? And I'm like the drain pipe that the water passes through. Right. It comes from heaven, it comes through me, and the sick person is the one who gets the gift. And the, the gift the gift is the gift is being healed. Yeah. Um in different ways. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean in my experience, whenever we've taught on how to pray for people and particularly taught about words of knowledge, people get activated in words of knowledge and people get healed. It's just like, exactly. I just, yeah. I just know any group, if I teach it, whether it's a youth group or a church group or whatever, it happens as you say, because it's, um, it's Jesus at work in his body. Um, and it's, it, it's, that's what his word does. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, it, it's, it, it's wonderful to see. Yeah. <laughs> wonderful to see. Um, Ian, if you, uh, as we come towards the end, is there far, any kind of final encouragement you want to give to people listening to this? And then it would be great if you could pray uh, for folks who are listening. I would just say, if you have a desire for it, then come on the webinars, come and learn, um, get into the scriptures, uh, and really understand God's heart. Draw close to God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Would you pray for folks, Ian, that are listening? Okay, Father, in the name of Jesus, a lot of people will be hearing this broadcast. They will be listening. Father, I just pray that your presence will come now. and Your presence will descend on them as they're listening your presence, your love, and your power will bring healing wherever it's necessary. I thank you, Father, for doing it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So appreciate your time, Ian. Perhaps you'll let me know how many people get healed so I, I don't have to wait 11 years. <laughs> amen. So, so absolutely, I will. If, if people can uh, let me know, they can message direct and we'll pass it on to Ian because um, one of the things it says in the Bible is that the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy because it really encourages people to hear testimony and it does release more. In my experience, it grows faith yeah, it does. and it releases yeah. more. So, uh, and we want to see a wave of healing across this nation and a wave of churches waking up and stepping into everything God's got for them. So, uh, and thank you so much for how you're serving the body with your teaching here. And we, we really appreciate that. God bless. God bless you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
Well, I found that a fascinating interview and I hope you enjoyed it too. I'm really grateful for Ian giving up the time to join us. Um, and can I encourage you that if you have experienced healing as you've listened to his prayer, do get in touch, let me know so I can pass it on to Ian. It is so encouraging and important to give testimony uh, of what God has done. And you might you might be asking why? Why is testimony so important? Surely God knows what's happened. Well, as we talked about in the interview, uh, giving testimony in front of others, speaking about what Christ has done. Uh, if we look at Revelation 19, it speaks about releasing the, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It releases the ability for it to happen again. But I think it's also really important as part of our complete healing process that we give testimony. Uh, there's a fascinating account in Luke 17, verses 11 to 19, where Jesus heals 10 men with leprosy. He, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he's traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And it says, as he was going to a village, there were 10 men with leprosy. And they stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus must have pity on us. And it says in verse 14, when Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So um, the book of Leviticus and the law had made provision that if somebody had a skin disease such as leprosy, the priests had a key role in identifying if they had disease and in pronouncing purification if they were healed or cleansed um, and that would allow them to come back and live amongst people so uh, it's interesting that as they obeyed Jesus and they went to the priest they were cleansed it was in the act of obedience that they were cleansed but it's really interesting verse 15 says one of them only one out of ten when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. He worshipped him. And it says in verse 16, he was a Samaritan, i.e. he wasn't a Jew who um, Jesus had primarily been sent to. This is another equation where Jesus encounters Samaritans. We see it also in Luke, in John 4 with the woman at the well. And the first account of a whole town coming to know Jesus happens after that occasion. Anyway, in verse 17, it says, Jesus asked, weren't, weren't all 10 of you cleansed? What's happened to the other nine? Has no one come to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. What's interesting is that the, the word for cleansed, um, Cartazio, the word for healed in verse 15, and the word the faith has made you well in verse 19 uh, are all different in the Greek. Um, so, so we get, uh, when you come to verse 19 and Jesus says, rise and go, your faith has made you well, it's actually the word sozo that he uses, from which we get healed, saved, delivered. It's the whole package of the wholeness and the totality of God bringing healing to people. Um, so there was something actually that was more significant in terms of his spiritual, as well as his fee, his um, physical and I guess emotional healing by 
the testimony that that man brought and the worship that he brought back to Jesus. So I encourage you, if you're healed, give testimony, worship and thank Jesus, because that actually is part of the process of both keeping your healing, but also releasing more healing and deeper healing for you and for others. I really hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Um, do keep your stories coming in, your questions coming in. And I'm looking forward to episode three, where we're going to hear from Can and Tony Hurl after um, 20 years of leading a church in St. Paul, St. Albans, pressing in uh, to the healing ministry, into the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Um, just as Tony's preparing to retire, uh, it's a great opportunity to hear from him and to hear from a church leader that experience of pressing into God. May God bless you this week. Thanks for joining me for episode two, series two of the Equipped to Heal podcast. My name is Alistair Mitchell Baker. I hope this has been an encouraging episode. Do keep listening. May God bless you this week.